Welcome everyone to the Almost Cancelled TV podcast. I am Peter and joining me is Connor. Yes, I'm unfortunately still here. Yes, uh, reports of this show's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Uh, obviously we took a couple of weeks off for Christmas um, and then Connor decided to go to Iceland uh, to... Uh, no, 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 that's not true. Paige decided we were going to Iceland. I had no say in the matter. It was booked without my knowledge. Okay, fine. Connor was in Iceland. I woke up one morning and got told I owe her money for a holiday. <laughs> there, there was a week between Christmas and this vacation that we could have theoretically recorded and it didn't happen, and then I mean, it didn't happen until now. Uh, but don't worry, because at the weekend I compiled two full weeks worth of news to do, and then I updated it again today. This is a weird day. This is not the regular weekend time. This is uh, Wednesday night we're recording this. And... That means, obviously, you won't get one this weekend because there won't be enough news to do by this weekend. So we'll see you again. Not unless something extreme happens in the next couple of days. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you for the next one, presumably, uh, you know, weekend after this coming one. So next weekend. But uh, I have lots of news in front of me for us to talk about. Okay, I'm, I'm cracking up on the drinks already. <laughs> I mean... I I've went back to my old method of copying and pasting the news into a Word doc, uh, just because managing tabs, uh, well, all right, depending if it's how big or small the news is. Uh, I knew this was going to be a big one with all these weeks of built-up news, so um, I'll just use like workspaces. What? It's on Opera, and I assume other Chrome-based uh, browsers. There's a thing called workspaces where you just like throw all your tabs that you want into a separate thing and it just like opens them up when you want them. Oh, sure. But, but, but my, my concern is more that my computer froze when I had too many tabs open a couple right, of times. Right, but you can, you, what you can do with the workspaces, you can split them so you could have all is the... Is this really important could, no, 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 on the show? It is. You could, you could have all your renewals in one workspace and then all your oh God, whatever one in the next one. Yeah, I mean, you, you, then you don't have all your tabs open at once. Just optimize your workflow better. I wish you fell Be on a better. volcano. I wish you fell on a volcano. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for you, still here. That's what we should push you. I mean, yes, to marry you instead no, of saying did, yes. Didn't happen. Yeah, but for some reason, she's got like some sort of Stockholm syndrome and. <laughs> I, yes. I told you it didn't happen near a volcano. In my head, there was lava, literally like. Like popping up in the background, it was the end of that shitty Star Wars movie. All the lava going about everywhere. You had the high ground. <laughs> yes, clearly I did. <laughs> oh, so I'm still here. <laughs> anyway, she has no limbs. Yeah, I, I mean, you'll never know. <laughs> all right let's get into the news we're talking about pilots cancellations uh shows pilot orders you know all that stuff yeah all, all those good things yeah, yeah uh first episode of 2023 it'll be a long one settle in let's start off with renewals and cancellations specifically the renewal list first okay, up so no, no netflix in this section then yeah there may be one in fact the first one is netflix <laughs> uh, te- technically it's also an ending but it's it's a renewal for a final season so I think that counts as a renewal rather than a cancellation uh, y- yeah sure yeah so they've renewed Cobra Kai for a sixth and final season so it's getting its ending That's that didn't start on Netflix either did it 
Uh, no, it moved there after the YouTube one, right? Yeah, it moved there after two seasons, I think, maybe three a push, but something in that yeah. range. So, so it's gotten three or four seasons at Netflix. That's not. Yeah, and like six in total is nothing to complain about. Very respectable. Show. Very respectable. Uh, Especially given that when that started and we looked at it, we were like, what? Why? Well, that's because it was on but, YouTube Red, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, but I remember that first trailer and it did not look great. Yeah, but then everyone praised it and said it was They, they it was did, yeah, yeah which, so. which is uh, still crazy to me. I still can't get over that first trailer in, in my head. I've never gone back to try it, but, you know. Yeah, next up, Outlander has been renewed for an eighth and final season on Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, but notably, they're also developing a spin-off, uh, a prequel. Yes. Uh, so that's that's coming as well. Uh, so they're, they're kind of it's not quite the Walking Dead thing because Walking Dead announced like five shows but they're doing the oh okay the, the show's ending because we have to kind of eventually let this cast go but we're going to do a a prequel series we're going to do a prequel series that'll be cheaper because the cast don't all want raises yes I think there's some minor characters I think they said might pop in but they're obviously much cheaper than the big stars so yeah yeah so uh, that's cool. Uh, it's going to be 10 episodes, which is uh, notable just in the sense that uh, season nine, which has not started yet, is like bigger than that. It's like, you know, it's like enough to hear in two halves kind of thing. So they've, they've, they've kind of went back and forth with the season sizes all throughout the run. I mean, even when oh, we were well, looking at the see, early seasons, there was like some different sorry, sizes. You, you just said season nine? Seven. The one that's not, the one, the one that's... Okay. Before, I was very confused for a second. Yeah. Yes, that's yes. what I was like. The penultimate, the penultimate season has got more episodes than that. Okay. All right. That's fine. I just wanted to know which which time you were wrong. All right. The eighth season's going to have 10. So that's stars. Uh, yeah. The prequel series is called Blood of My Blood. It's been greenlit, and that will also consist of a 10 episode first season. So, you know. So it's kind mm-hmm. of kind of like, you know, the, the end of an era, but you're also getting more if you really like Outlander. Uh, that's great. And we are going to get back to it, for the record. I know it's been a while. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yes, we're just trying to get Star Trek back on track, and then we'll uh, we'll start dipping into Airlander again. We, uh, neatly, we left it at the mid-season break, so it's actually a, a, it was a very neat stopping point for a while. But uh, we'll be back to it. Uh, so then we have Chucky renewed for Season 3 by Sci-Fi. No, oh, fair enough. So, you know, that's doing relatively well for them. Uh, fan base seems to enjoy it. I've not watched season two yet. Unfortunately, it started right before my trip. So when I came back, I had missed like three episodes. And, and you were like, ah, screw it. I've not recovered uh, that time jump. So, but season one was pretty solid and entertaining. Uh, you know, better than I think you ha- you would think a Chucky show would be. Mm. So, very cool. Uh, a lot of these next ones, I doubt you'll maybe have even heard of all of them, but, uh, you know, I'll just list them off. Billy the Kid has been renewed at MGM Plus for Season 2. Uh, all American has been renewed for Season 6 at the CW, which notably is the first renewal under the new ownership, because everything else has been either cancelled or getting a final season, or which is basically the same thing. <laughs> but you know uh so this is this is the the one rare show so far that they have said now we want more of this yeah and it's the only one that i can't think off the top of my head what it actually is it's uh, a college american football thing i think okay i think uh ghosts has been renewed for season three at cbs this is the rose mciver comedy yes so uh that's been doing quite well for them uh abbott elementary's been renewed for season three at abc uh, I know that got a lot of praise after its first season. 
CBS have renewed Bob Hart's Abishola for season five. I remember talking about that when it was in development, and it feels like, wait, how did we get to season five already? But here we are. Yeah, I felt that a minute ago when you talked about Cobra Kai being on, you know, yeah. to season six. Uh, the Neighborhood has been renewed also at CBS for season six. Uh, Freeform have renewed Gronish for season six. Uh, Paramount Plus have renewed Seal Team for season seven. Now this used to be a CBS show, and it moved to Paramount Plus for season six, I think, the last one. So uh, okay. it's getting a season seven. Uh, there was a whole bit of uh, extra intrigue with this one, and that it took a while to renew it because they're trying to decide how like because it used to be on CBS and it used to be like twenty two episodes a season, and they were shooting episodes like ten months out of the year. Like, all the sound stages they used were, like, worth keeping all year round. But now that they're only shooting 10 episodes a season for Paramount+, Plus, it's just, like, this waste of money because they're using up these stages that are just sitting doing nothing for half the year. So the, apparently there was some, like, logistics of figuring out how to deal with that and how to, I don't know, make it feasible. It was, it was really interesting just from, like, a, you know, the business side of, like, you know, operating a TV. No, I get it, because obviously what ends up being cheaper the fact that you've got you know a, a studio basically there unusable for x amount of months alternatively you've got to rebuild everything you know take everything out of storage whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. you can you know it, you know it's there's, there's got to be a balance somewhere where where's the tipping point where it's cheaper just to you know have it unused for x amount of months yeah no it's uh it was just an interesting little bit i really thought, thought i'd add it into the because I, I definitely don't give a shit about seal team as a the show <laughs> That's I have heard some weirdly half decent things about it, given that everything it looks so generic and you know, sounds so generic. Yeah, do you know who the star is? No. Well, it's just a little known actor called David Boreanaz, who was on Angel, the television show that was a spinoff <sighs> to the hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. I, I regret not knowing. First one of 2023, folks. Get it in. Get it in. You look so upset. Can I, I quit it. now? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> next up. Uh, Criminal Minds Evolution is premiered for season two, uh, which I think was also Paramount Plus, although I didn't write that down for some reason. Uh, this was the reboot of the original Criminal Minds, so it's kind of like the, the legacy show with some of the original cast back, uh, and that's been doing well. I think they're halfway through their first season because they went on a break for Christmas time. Uh, so I, th I think they're either just about to come back or just came back for the second half of their season. Pretty normal for that sort of show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's kind of a mix of both, though, because it's like a 10, 12 episode, like, streaming service show now, but it's also operating. It is, but I think the audience who are watching that, even on a streaming service, are still pretty used to, you know, Christmas breaks, extended ones at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, cool. And then the final thing, so we start started with Netflix and we're actually ending with Netflix. Uh, Wednesday has been renewed for season two. Netflix. Shocking. Uh, well, you say that, but, uh, like, th this is not, like, a clear-cut thing. This is actually quite interesting to analyze, because what this tells me is the level of success a show at Netflix needs to have to get a renewal, because some th other things that felt relatively successful did not get renewals. Th th this, to me, says Maybe, that you, you have to... that was probably their biggest hit of the year. Well, I know. That's my point. So no, but like, so like, when I say shopping, I was like, of course that one was going to get renewed. If anything, they've got to renew something. Yeah, well, I don't know. There was a bit of murkiness because Amazon actually own it now because they own MGM and MGO and own Adam's Family. So there was, there was a nice little uh, 
intertwining sure. of things. But no, I do think it's interesting because to me, this says you only get a renewal at Netflix now if you're an obscene success. Like, you, you can't be a moderate success at Netflix anymore and get a renewal. You get cancelled unless you are absolutely meme to shit, where people are sharing gifts of everything because they're it's the hip new thing. It's possible, yeah. Um, I did see a thing from, I don't know if it was the, I don't know exactly who it was at Netflix, it's one of the higher-ups uh, this, this past week, talking about mm-hmm. how he, he claims that they have never... They have never cancelled a successful show by their metrics. That every single show they have ever, you know, ever cancelled. There is so many. The, the the budget outweighed the uh, the the gains. There is so many asterisks to that. Like has met their metrics are meaningless to the audience. Oh, I agree. And I, we have not... talked numerous times about how they gauge success is stupid. Because if you change that, if you changed it to say, like they have never cancelled, like a. Uh, a worthy show or a show deserving of renewals, then it'd be full of shit. And obviously that doesn't necessarily mean success, and sometimes good shows don't find an audience, but there's a bit of a trend with Netflix where everything they make doesn't get advertised and doesn't find an audience, and it's only those few that manage to slip through the cracks into superstardom it's, that are allowed to continue. But, but he didn't even say popular shows, because of course they've cancelled popular things. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they're just not popular enough to justify their budget according to netflix i would not trust netflix with anything though in fact on that subject out of the cancellations uh, list the first thing here is 1899 was cancelled by netflix after one season um which got a relative amount of you know discussion online um the reviews i made you were getting a hefty amount of views compared to everything else you know there was clearly some interest in it but not enough to justify whatever they were spending on it. And it did look fairly expensive. I mean, that is fair to say. But they had no interest in renewing it, seemingly. Which, again, it's all down to this thing where the the, the way they gauge success is just... uh, It's just stupid. Like, how many people finish the whole thing in the first weekend? That's no way to do it. We've had this conversation before, so we're not going to get into it. But... yeah. yeah, so bye bye to eighteen ninety nine. It wasn't as good as dark. Like I'm not too heartbroken about it, but I would have liked to have seen where they went with it, given that the season ended on this huge, like you know, cliffhanger that revealed mm-hmm. a big thing and whatnot. So uh, there you go. Um, there we have Doom Patrol and Titans both ending with their current fourth seasons on HBO Max. Um, they both had their seasons split in half, so they've both aired their first halves of their seasons, and they're both coming back for the second half of season four is later. Um, what is important to know here is that the creators for both shows apparently could kind of see that they were probably ending, and according to the article on Deadline, the creating team on both actually wrote endings so that they wouldn't be leaving in a... They were in the, uh, in the process and saw everything going on at HBO Max <laughs> and went, hmm, <laughs> hang on a second, guys. Very probably. It would not surprise yeah. me if that was the because, uh, the case. Because as, as I mean, as sad as this is for Doom Patrol, I mean, Doom Patrol, four seasons isn't terrible for a start. Let's let's start with that. Um, obviously, we'd have liked more, but it's not terrible. Um, I don't think this is surprising news at all, given everything that's happened at HBO Max in the last year or so. And, and these shows in particular, which are like, you know, these holdovers from an earlier service. Yeah. Uh, which again begs the question it feels like HBO Max you know taking out HBO proper 
what are HBO Max actually renewing and making uh, right now? I, I I don't feel like there's a lot, but I mean, maybe it's deceptive. Who knows? Uh, yeah. But it feels like yeah, everything's ending or being cancelled because they want to change the service in some way. I feel um, like in, in regards to the, the DC side of things, I think there's still like a lot still allegedly in production. Allegedly. Allegedly. They, they haven't officially been cancelled. We've just not heard anything from them in a while. But that... In, in this age of streaming TV, yeah, I, I, that doesn't necessarily mean it's gone. Sometimes you do go, all, you know, a while without hearing too much, and then all of a sudden, oh, here's trailers and you know, here's release dates. Yeah, yeah. Uh, given that it's HBO Max, though, so, like, if I yeah. was to say which one's more lately, I'd say it's more lately to just disappear, and never get mentioned again. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Then Uncoupled get cancelled by Netflix after two seasons. Uh, Dead End Paranormal Park cancelled by Netflix after two seasons Inside Job cancelled by Netflix which is interesting this one because this was a reversal it got renewed for season two and they have now changed their minds and cancelled it <laughs> yep oh look that, that thing that we were just talking about not so long ago being a, a recurring tr- trend and you know once upon a time was a rare occasion yeah here it is again uh, Gossip Girl cancelled by HBO Max after two seasons this was the reboot of course, of Gossip Girl, because that was a a show yeah, before. Yeah, I, I remember a lot of people talking about it for the first season, you know, when it came back, but then kind of nothing. Yeah. Uh, Mayans MC, the spin-off of Sons of Anarchy, is ending with season five on FX. Um, and that's uh, not too bad. Nah, that's not it, too bad. You know, not, not that I care and I watched any of it, but, you know, in, in terms of your amount of show, five seasons of that's all right. And then Fear the Walking Dead is going to end with season eight. On AMC. Oh, someone put out of its misery. So that's eight seasons of that, and there was, what, 11 or 12 of the main show? Um, but that comes with news of the, the spin-offs. Uh, so The Walking Dead Dead City, which is the one that stars Lauren Cohen and Jeffrey Dean Morgan, um, is coming in June. And then The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, which is... That's what, they're, that's what they're calling yeah. it. Uh, led by Norman Reedus, is going to be coming later on in the year. And then on top of that, the spinoff starring Andrew Lincoln and Danny Guerrera, which is the uh, the Rick and Michonne show, is going to be a production later this year, a premiere in 2024. So there's three shows coming. <laughs> that last one, that was at one point a movie, right? At one point that was a trilogy, but I think now it's like a limited series instead. Okay, yeah. Uh, so... Three spin-offs coming. They've split up all the cast into their own shows of the from the original show. I don't know if anyone from Fear the Walking Dead is like leading to their own show. I don't know if it was popular enough to keep on for eight seasons, but maybe not popular enough to get the spin-off I, treatment. I think it's just a lot that I don't think I could name any characters from Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, not could I? And I say that like I only watched the first couple of seasons of the main show, but even that aside. Even even now, you know, I will still occasionally see people on Twitter talk about some of those characters, right? Yeah. And you know, I'll, they'll they'll put a picture or a gif with, well, with names. Well, it's unfair for me to even have that discussion because I read a hundred issues of the comic, and with the exception of Daryl, who was new, like everyone was in the comic. So, sure, you know, so I, I already had a lot of the characters kind of uh, pegged from that. No, I can remember them all, but like as soon as someone mentions them from the show, that you know, it triggers a a memory, and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, so and so. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, what the second Walking Dead show is ending, but there's three more on the way, and there was that other anthology one, Tales of the, the Walking Dead, which I don't know if that's getting more, if that was like a one and done sort of season, but 
that also existed. So it might be when they just bring back when they want to. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's an anthology after all. They can just kind of yeah roll it out whenever they want. Uh, and then sort of last up, um, kind of in the same sort of category, uh, is Snowpiercer, which is the only remaining original scripted show on TNT. Um, is not going to be airing on TNT. It's a uh, completed fourth and final season. Uh, so it got renewed, obviously, and they've made it. So it's done. Uh, but uh, it's believed this is part of the tax write-offs for content at Warner Brothers Discovery. Oh, so they're not even, like, selling it or shifting well, it to a service. Well, Tomorrow Studios, who make the show, um, are going to shop it around along with a potential prequel and a sequel. So they want to make it more of a franchise and shop it around to someone else. So they can still have someone else air it or put it on a service. I'm sure someone will pick up the season itself at the very least because... It's done. It's, it's, it's done. Right? It's, easy. It's, yeah. it's easy content. That said, though, if you're shopping it around, I feel like they're going to like consider offers that include taking another show as like they're... You know, they, they'll probably accept a low-ball amount on the season they've already made if it, if they promise to take... Yeah, commitment to yeah. make one of the other shows, yeah. So, so that's what they'll be trying to rank. Obviously, if no one's willing to do it, then yeah, they'll, they'll just take it to someone who'll take I, the season, I, but... I think it's safe to say we'll see the season at some point, at the very least. Yeah. It, it, might, it might take a little bit of time to wrangle out some deals back and forth, see what they can get. If the, if no one wants to make any of these other shows, which I, I feel, honestly, someone will probably take a punt on at least one season. But even if hypothetically no one did, the season will come out. Yeah. Joe, the weird thing with this is that I don't think... Um, Warner Bros. Discovery have made a lot of really weird and, like, shitty choices when it comes to content recently. I will say this one doesn't feel as awful to me, just because they've already moved the entire channel away from showing, like, dramas and, like, fictional content that I kind of get that if they can save some money when it wouldn't fit on what the channel's doing. It Like, it would just be this one show on, like, a, you know, on their time slot, you know, on, on their schedule... That is completely you know, everything else is either sports or reality or I think, yeah. I know. think the biggest surprise is they aren't just throwing it on HBO Max or something, making it like an original on there for one season. I, I guess they think they can get more from the tax write off. Yeah, it's worth. yeah. But, but they also then, gotten that service of everything, so like yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, so that is the renewals and cancellations. Couple of premiere. Uh, windows rather than dates here but uh, uh, notable enough to mention uh, Ted Lasso season 3 is going to premiere in spring this year so that's coming soon uh, cannot wait yeah I am looking forward to it uh, and also the uh, the show with the description that made us laugh harder than any description has ever made us laugh uh, The Bear which was critically ah, yes. very well received but the description which we did not know at the time no 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 but the description had four examples of personal and professional lives in one paragraph. Uh, in fact, Connor's downing booze, just as I say that, of memories. <laughs> um, so that's been up to 10 episodes for its uh, second season and it's coming in the summer. It was eight episodes in season one, so they got two extra for season two. No. Fair enough. Uh, so, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so just some general stuff here. Uh, first up, this is this is pretty cool as far as success stories go. Uh, the Last of Us, uh, second episode aired this past weekend. Um, yep. It went up in viewership for its second week by 22%, which is the largest jump from a first to second episode that HBO has ever had. Um, it got 5.7 million viewers on Sunday night, and the premiere was already pretty good. It was the 
aside from the premiere of uh, House of the Dragon, it was the biggest premiere number they'd done since uh, Boardwalk Empire, which was like, you know, 15 while plus ago. years yeah. ago. So, uh, so it's went up from week one, and apparently the first episode now with uh, HBO Max and whatever is, sevens, yeah. is up to 18 million viewers uh, for that first episode. So, Needless to say, it's reaching the casual, uh, non-game-playing crowd, I think, <laughs> with those yeah, numbers. <laughs> I, I know quite a few people in my workplace have watched it, even people who... So some of people are, are, are you know, them are gamers mm. who are already familiar. Not all of them, though. Some of them, just, uh, the, the, you know, the casuals, like you say. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't say that with any malice. I'm not, I'm not making fun of casuals. I just mean... People have not played the game and don't really necessarily know what it is. They just watched it because it's a HBO show, and seemingly yeah. enough people heard enough good things to come back and watch episode two. So uh, that's good. Um, and I think you know to compare it to Walking Dead for a second, which was also a big hit and was also you know a, you know I mean Last of Us isn't exactly zombies, but it's very zombie-like and and what it's doing. It's it, it's zombies. It's zombies in a different form, but it's functionally zombies. It, it's it's zombies. It's it's, it's zombie adjacent. But it's, um, I think the comparison that I would make here is that, you know, Walking Dead quickly ran into this problem of, like, stretching out material and, like, spinning their wheels, whereas so far through two episodes, it's very, very clear that the, you know, there's no concern about that in season one, certainly, because it's, it's adapting the first game and it's going at a nice, reasonable pace. So, you know, at no point in episodes one or two did I feel like, oh, they're stretching this out to get an episode out of something that was, like, a minute in the game, you know? So. Yeah. Obviously, they've added in a few little things here or there, but pretty yeah. faithful from what I remember. It's been it's been a few years since I played yeah. it, but pretty faithful. All, all little smart additions, I, I would say. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I've been enjoying that. I, I've, been, I've obviously been reviewing it. Then uh, I was uh, full of praise, particularly for episode two. I, I was very alive. I watched them. I uh, I have very much appreciate the the sound design of the clickers. Oh, of course, yes. Yeah, I think that's one of the. Uh, Obviously, they were very good in the game as well, but I think it was used very effectively. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if some of the same people were doing the sound effects. Very possible. Because I know yeah. the uh, the performance capture artists who did the clickers for the game are also the ones actually doing the clickers in the, the show. Why wouldn't you, right? It's, yeah. it's right there. Yeah, so that's really good. Uh, no, that's the first big hit of the year, really, TV-wise. So, uh, yeah. yeah. It's good to see. Uh, next up, an update on a show. Uh, which I am very curious about for, you know, because I oh, care okay. about I, it. I suspect... Oh, okay. No, maybe I don't know what this one is. No, this is the Alien series. This is Noah Hawley's Alien oh. series. Uh, it's going to finally begin shooting this year. Um, the Noah Hawley's working on season five of Fargo right now, uh, which is an active uh, production, but he's, he's in pre-production for Alien. Uh, scripts have been written. Uh, this was from X FX boss uh, John Langraff um, at the TCA's. Um, so they're meeting with production designers and stuff like that just now. So, so they're it's starting to kind of gear up to like, you know, be shooting later this year. Um, uh, and the only thing we really know about the story so far is that it takes place before Ripley. It's set on Earth, and it's the first story that takes place in the Alien franchise on Earth. Uh, which, not counting the AVP movies, is is true. Well, that's just uh. Rewriting history to suit your own agenda. <laughs> yes, but most fans would like to forget those movies anyway, so it's, it's, it's yeah, just not yeah. something we're going to fight too hard. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see 
like you know predator got a shockingly good movie this past year and it'd be nice for alien to get some love and you'll get a good show i know they're doing a movie for hulu as well which is separate from this show which is fine you can have two different alien things at the same time i mean you know just set them at 100 years apart who gives a shit yeah uh so uh, hopefully it's good hopefully it's good uh all right next up we have a uh update on gen v um so this is the spin-off the college spin-off to to the boys uh it's launching this year um it's early for a real decision but apparently uh the the scuttlebutt according to deadline is that amazon are very happy with the first season and a writing room is already starting for season two because uh, they're assuming they're going to get picked up for it. So they're already starting to develop scripts right. for it. That's on trend with what they've been with, you know, the boys, the main show. They've they've always had early renewals. Yeah, yeah. I think I think season two was picked up before the first episode even aired. Yeah, uh, and one of the two co-showrunners of season one is going to be the sole showrunner of season two. Um, okay, and that's not a concern. No, and especially since it's added on here that the person leaving was just. Uh, they need time with their it's like personal family stuff they just need to go and be with their family so it wasn't like oh there's a fight on set like they hate each other and uh, you know? yeah honestly when it's something when it's co-showrunners going down to one I take more often than I assume either it's like say personal reasons like that or one of them just they've got another job that they can go move on to and yeah, uh, yeah. hey this is incapable hands now you got this on your own I'm gonna go start something else you know so no I just thought that was, that was you know first of all it's a good sign for the show because obviously it's not out yet, and we hope it's good. But also, it's just sort of you know, kind of a potential season two pickup already is, is uh, good to know about. Uh, a bunch of casting for the Fraser reboot came out over the past couple of weeks. Uh, yeah. So first up, there's a few names uh, that I'll get through as I'm going through this. Uh, so first up, uh, Jack Cutmore Scott has been cast to star um, Fraser's son, Freddie. Who I think I think in the original show he was always referred to as Frederick, but you know he's older now. He prefers Freddy, I guess. Uh, so he is going to be in it as well as Nicholas Lindhurst, which means nothing to the US audience, but to the UK audience, it's like, Huge. wait, what? Rodney? Yeah. Rodney's going to be in Fraser. Yeah, apparently, uh, Grammar was doing like a like a play with him or something like some years ago, and apparently loved him. It was like he used to. Be, I need to work with him more. He used to be in Frasier. <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, he's going to be Frasier's like friend, which uh, he's going to be some sort of professor or something. And the idea is that Frasier had Niles in the original show, but he's never really just had like a best guy friend, and that's kind of what they're trying to do with with Lindhurst. This is like the opposite of Ron the because Ron. I mean, he's not a complete idiot. Like he's not, he's not, as far as like only fools and horses go, which is the show he's, he's known for. He's a gullible sod. Yeah. He's, he's a gullible sod, but he's he's probably technically slightly smarter than most of the other characters on that show. It's a low bar in that show, but yeah. yes, probably true. But you know, from that to like professor who's like sparring verbally with Fraser Crane, that's a that's a pretty <laughs> big yeah. difference. So yeah, we've got that. Um, yeah, uh, we also have Anders Keith has been cast. He's like a new actor who's been cast as Nails and Daphne's son, David. Uh, and then we also have Jess Salguero, who actually uh, was in Why the Last Man, but you will also know her as the girlfriend from the first episode of The Boys. Oh, okay. She doesn't last At very first, long. At first, I was like, you were like, 
the the girlfriend. I'm like, okay, okay, this this is starting to sound like an obscure reference, but no, okay, no, actually, it was a memorable. It was a memorable character for one episode. Yep. Uh, yep. So, yeah, uh, so yeah, Nails and Daphne's son is uh, an awkward college freshman with a pens- penchant for off kilter observations. Fraser's nephew David uh, has Nails' intelligence, Daphne's smile, and neither of their polish. David's unearned confidence. May confuse some, but Fraser has a fondness for his nephew's earnest enthusiasm. Kind of sounds like they're going for a young Niles with with this character yeah, yeah. from that description. Uh, and then Salgaro will play Eve, a spontaneous, outgoing, and bursting with creative energy, uh, whether it's asked for or not. Uh, it's Freddie's roommate. Eve is a breath of fresh air. Freddie's oh, just roommate. I thought I thought it said college roommate at first. And I was like, wait, would he be older than that now? Because he was already like ten. When you know, by the time the show yeah. finished in two thousand three, he was already like ten. So like, he would be in his thirties now. Yeah, it'd be about thirty-ish. Yeah, but about thirty-ish. Yeah, uh, not that you can't be in college at thirty, but it's just you know, less common. Less common. Uh, so yeah, with an innate ability to connect with both Fraser and Freddie, Eve is a critical bridge between father and son as they attempt to reconcile. So. I guess it's interesting they may be doing a thing. You know how like Fraser and Niles were trying to reconcile with Martin, their dad, in the original show. Maybe they're sort of mm-hmm. going to flip it so Fraser's the dad now, and like he has to try and mend the relationship with his son. And, you know, there's you know, yeah, maybe there's something to that. But yeah, so there's a bunch of casting for the for the show. Um, so they're going to have Niles and Daphne's f- son, but neither of his parents <laughs> are going to be on the show, uh, as far as we know. Anyway, I, I know Niles has flat out refused. I don't know if the actress who plays Daphne said like. Definitely not, or if it, that's just kind of like an up in the air assumed thing. Yeah, maybe it's something that they'll want to hold on to, though, if they yeah. do get it. So that's that. And then next up, um, I actually thought I was going to have to dodge talking about this asshole because it kind of happened early in the month, but there was kind of a new bit of news to it in the last couple of days that unfortunately means I have to bring it up. Uh, so Justin Roiland, the co-creator, executive producer, writer, and um, also the voice actor, of Rick and Morty, amongst other shows. Uh, this was known sort of legally for a while, but became public at the start of the year that he has been in the process of being like on trial or whatever for a felony domestic assault, uh, which, you know, sounds very serious uh, for a start. And the new news to this is that uh, Adult Swim and later Hulu said the same thing because he's got a show on Hulu as well. Uh, they're both cutting ties with him. Uh, Adult Swim are saying, we're keeping Rick and Morty, we're going to recast these roles. Um, I did read Which some... All of them. Yeah, I did read somewhere, though, that um, ever since season three of Rick and Morty, he's mostly just been doing the voice roles like on his own from a distance, and part of the reason for that is maybe because internally there were, it was known that he kind of couldn't be around like everyone else, so he was kept at a distance and just told to, you know, do maybe. the voices. It's It's going to be a very different show because obviously he is a lot of the voices including rick and morty and then a bunch of other ones yeah i mean i, don't, I, I mean i don't know but this is a weird show in that they renewed it up until season 10 after like season three like they they, they, they you know they, they ordered like yeah. seven seasons of the damn thing and they've still got four left to do with that deal so they're choosing to keep it and to recast the roles I suppose the good thing with the types of voices on that show is that you probably can get people who can just do impressions and it'll... Probably, yeah. It'll just work. Uh, I think Dan Harmon, who is the co-creator, 
Like, he apparently does good versions of the voices. I don't think he'll do it necessarily, but he's apparently good at doing his own versions of them, so... Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, obviously, it sounds like he's a complete piece of shit. Like, I saw, that when this news all broke, I saw, like, people who'd worked with him, like, sharing some of the private messages that he'd sent them, and, like, if nothing else, his sense of humor left a lot to be uh, desired. There was a lot mm. of, like, really weird sexual and racial stuff and like, a lot of his private jokes that... You know, it painted a picture of someone, and then on top of you know, these charges that have been put against him, um, like it feels like his career's like probably done. And I would think so. Yes. Uh, and for the best, might I add. So, yeah, well, we'll move on from that. But it felt worth mentioning. Uh, so on to the new comedies and development. What page would be on here? This uh, this news. We're at the bottom of page five. Okay. Of how many? <laughs> of how many? Uh, I'll give you an update when we get to the end of this section. No. So, uh, comedies. Uh, so, uh, multi-camera comedy ABC called Forgive and Forget, uh, the punky Brewster duo of Eugene Garcia Cross and Robin Shaw. Uh, are teaming up with Modern Family star Ty Burrell uh, for the show. Um, yep, yep, yep. Uh, it's a family comedy about Alzheimer's, which doesn't sound like a, <laughs> the fun, a funny thing necessarily, but, you know, we've seen other examples of comedies taking tough subjects and making them work, being informative, but also still being very funny. Uh, it follows Ben Flemings, who, when his life of the party father is diagnosed with Alzheimer's, is forced to take in the one man he's worked his whole life not to become. So there is actually a very tropey part of that, which is a parent moving in with their kid. That's a very typical sitcom it, it setup. Is. I feel like it, it's it's definitely probably fair for that to be a, a drinking rule in the dramas, but I think that's so common in like, especially in family sitcoms. I don't so. think we made that a rule anyway. But I don't think so. No. I don't know if we did or not. We, I, don't, I think we spoke about it. I, I think was the, the multi generational. The multi generational was definitely the one I was pushing for. That was more of a, yeah. you know, uh, we need a list. We need a codified list. I think the phrase "blended family" as well, maybe. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good point. If that pops up. All right. Uh, speaking of ABC, we're sticking with them. Um, they've added a pilot order to a single camera comedy called "Public Defenders." from writer Eddie Quintana and McGee. Uh, it comes from 20th Television, follows... Like, every time I, say tw- I see 20th Television, I want to just add in, you know, Century Fox. Like, it's just... Like, it's still it, it, in my brain. It just feels wrong. Yeah. Uh, it follows four inexperienced public defenders up to their ear holes in shouldn't loan debt who work tirelessly to keep their clients out of jail. Along the way, they have to rely on each other to navigate their first defendants, the absurd court system, and the copy machine that always jams. It never got personal. No, no, it was all, per- it was all personal. That, yeah. I was waiting for it. It was suspiciously sounding like it was going to. I mean, you could make a small argument for the shouldn't loan debt early on, but that was set of separate at the start, so... You could, but also, that is a professional thing that they, you know, they took it on for, to, for, to further it, their professional it's career. It's blurring the line a little it, bit, it is. And, and yeah, I don't think it hit the uh, the format. No, of, no, no, I, I agree, I agree. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, feels on point for a show about public defenders and the court system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right, next up. Sticking with ABC. They're, they're ordering comedies left and right here, apparently. Um, so this is a show called Boss, and it comes from How to Live with Your Parents, uh, creator Claudia Leno. Uh, this is at ABC again, like I said. Uh, it's a single-camera workplace comedy. Written executive produced by Leno and inspired by Leno's real-life experiences, Boss is a multi-generational adult ensemble office comedy about two women, Fremenies... I'll say that again. That's right, I'll say that again because I felt weird saying it. Frenemies and competitors with little in common who wind up hiring each other's equally opposite daughters as their assistants. So that's the gimmick, is two women who hate each other hire each other's daughters as their assistants. That's the premise. Without all the fluffy language. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, it's a premise for a sitcom. Did we not just say multi-generational was a... Uh... Oh, yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. mm. What should we go with? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I know, I know. I'm thinking... Drain cleaner. I'll get, uh, I'll get something half decent for, you know, the, the, oh, the, the first, first one of the year. year. Okay. I might not could do the whole show on it, but, like, you know, I'll, I'll get the first one. Yeah, we'll see how many come in, I suppose. Yeah, we'll go with the uh, limited release Highland Park that I do not oh. have much left of. Very fancy. It is. It's very nice as well. Oh. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, well, we're already Fox comedies. Fox is developing El Patio. Uh, a multi-camera comedy from writer Danny Fernandez from iCarly, Rosalind Sanchez and Eric Winters, two for the road entertainment, Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment and Fox Entertainment. I'm not drinking for that. No, no, but first Aaron <laughs> Kaplan. That would kill me. Yeah. First Aaron Kaplan of the year, everyone. Uh, round of applause. Uh, so El Patio follows a group of mostly Latin neighbours of all ages, races and walks of life who welcome a new neighbor, Gabriel Suarez, into the small Miami apartment building. Gabriel, a Mexican-American from Texas, always knew that life in Miami would be different, but he never expected that his neighbor's cultural differences would be an almost constant source of conflict and comedy. Ooh. <laughs> Saucy. Uh, there you go. Oh, that sounds, that sounds fine. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's alright. Uh, also from Fox, they're developing a single camera comedy called Get Buckets from executive producers uh, and writers Stephen Falk, uh, Alan Maldonado, Daryl Brett Gibson, and Brandon um, Michael Smith. Uh, and all of them except the first one, Falk, uh, are also actors who'll be in it as well. Uh, so, Get Buckets follows three estranged brothers who must band together following their billionaire father's untimely death to figure out how to run the professional basketball team he left behind and how to be a family. Joe, you know I loved about that is I was thinking this already counts as both because it's a it leads into like the profession, but then they just cinched at the end with also yeah. and to be a family. <laughs> they did. They did. They they threw in the actual phrasing of it on top of the spirit. Yes, yeah. Just just to make sure it counted. Thank you, uh, Fox. Uh, let's uh, let's get with that one. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I still show something like interesting and not just the usual boring swill because it's, it's it's the first show of the year. Of so, course, yeah. yes. We'll, we'll go with the the eight year old. Maybe you got a couple new bottles at Christmas. Mm. I didn't get any full bottles. I got a few um interesting miniatures of some you know like nicer ones but 
quite expensive, so they just got me the little uh, small bottles, which I, I still appreciate because they're nice. All right, next up, still with the comedies here, uh, we're talking about a show called Second Wife. So, um, yeah, so Megan Oppenheimer, who's just had a show be a hit called uh, Tell Me Lies, um, she's working with executive producer Emma Roberts, and they're teaming at Hulu uh, and 20th Century TV uh, for Second Wife. Uh, Roberts and Lucifer alum Tom Ellis will star and executive produce in the darkly comedic half-hour show. Okay. Second Wife is a romantic dramedy about the... Honestly, if I hadn't told me it was half-hour, I'd have probably put this in the dramas, because I usually put dramedies there, because they tend to be still overlongs, but it specified half-hour, so yeah, put it yeah. here. So yeah, um, it's a romantic dramedy about the ups and downs of a blended family. <laughs> Fresh off a terrible breakup, Sasha, played by Roberts, flees her life in New York to start over in London, where she meets and quickly falls in love with a recently divorced father named Jacob, played by Alice. When they impulsively decide to get married, they will soon learn that there's a lot they don't know about each other, and they can't outrun their past forever. Darkly comedic in tone, Second Wife is an exploration of intimacy, failure, and second chances. Okay. <laughs> um, one, I'm really glad I'm not working tomorrow. Because you know, this this is shaping up to... We're not even like the dramas yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've decided to get con- concerned. You know? <laughs> uh, two, I, I like Ellis quite a lot. I think he's a very charismatic actor. Which one's uh, that? Who's that? Is that the lead guy in from? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like Emma Roberts. Yeah, exactly. So I think th- there's names attached to this. Honestly, that make it... I'll be honest. The fact that like the only what makes it interesting remotely to me is that it actually describes it as darkly comedic. If it didn't have that yeah. word darkly in front of comedic, I wouldn't get anything out of this that would seem interesting. But the fact that it's saying darkly comedic makes me go, oh, what sort of weird secrets have they each got that are going to cause for comedy? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But hey, that wraps up the comedies. We can get into the dramas. I want a page update. <laughs> we are in the middle of page eight. Okay. I feel like there's more dramas than there was comedies, because that wasn't so bad. Yeah, oh, there's more There's more dramas for sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's, let's, do a, let's do a guess, actually. Do you think we're after the halfway point of all the news, or do you think we're before the halfway point of all the news? I'm going to say slightly after. Wait, you say halfway through page eight. Halfway through page eight. Okay, well, technically slightly under half then. Because the only reason I'm going to say that mm-hmm. is because I thought you were going to ask me how many new shows there are in dramas to guess that, and I was going to, uh, you know, I was going to throw out 16 as a random number, so I'm going to go mm. with 16 pages instead. So, Well, it's 17 pages, so we're before oh. halfway. <laughs> I mean, I, I still said before, because halfway through eight, you know, that, that was less than half, uh, Okay, it was I'll... not at the end of eight yet. All right, all right. All right, first up, Paramount Plus has given an eight-episode straight-to-series order to an adaptation of Hasbro's Dungeons & Dragons fantasy role-playing game franchise. Uh, Red Notice filmmaker Rawson Marshall Thurber, well, that's not an exciting name, uh, wrote a pilot script and is set to direct the first episode of the series, which will be a co-production between E1 and Paramount Pictures. No description here, but that's probably because Dungeons & Dragons doesn't have a plot. 
that's like uh, standard. Are they doing a movie on this? They are. Like, I, I, soon? I saw the trailer when I went to see like Avatar and uh, Violent Night. It's it's a uh, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I would say it's called. And it it's, sounds vaguely familiar. It's like a really. Do you know what, it, honestly, it looks like a movie that was made in two thousand seven. It looks like sold. <laughs> it looks like a a late forgettable blockbuster that no one will remember that was made in the mid-2000s. That's what it looked like from the trailer. See, that sounds really bad when you say it like that. Like, <laughs> I, you know, those those could be really fun movies to just throw on late at night. I, I was getting... Oh, I don't know if I compare it to... Problem is they're too, forget, they're too, forgot, yeah, too yeah. forgettable that you don't know what they are now. I don't know. Like, R.I.P.D.? <laughs> like, well, 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 Jesus, that's harsh. You went with, right for the bomb with fantasy elements, or or maybe a better thing would be like Golden Compass, but with like modern Marvel humor. I was gonna say something a bit more recent, but I think falls into similar lines would be like Bright on Netflix. Uh maybe. But it's not really a know. good movie. Yeah. But like. Uh, for, you know, kind of forgettable, like, yeah, I'll throw it on one night. Poor Chris Payne, he never became that star that he felt like he could be. He's just, he's just doing all these weird, like, lesser yeah. movies, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, Dungeons & Dragons, so it could be good, it could be bad. Like, honestly, it could be anything, because it's Dungeons & Dragons. The whole point of Dungeons & Dragons is that you make up your story when you play it, so... What I'm expecting now is a trashy fantasy show, which means I'm in. Basically, Paramount Plus want their Game of Thrones, and they're hoping this will be it. Amazon got Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time. Paramount Plus are trying Dungeons and Dragons. Hey, it's a recognizable brand, at least. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, all right, next up. Um, so they're developing uh, with Sony. That is, are developing a Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, show. Um, hmm. so it's a series adaptation of that and the other four novels in the. Uh, the the Wang Dulu Crane Iron Pentology, uh, which were published between 1938 and 1944, which chronicles the struggles of four generations of Yoxia? Yoxia? I, I don't know how to pronounce that word. I, I don't know how it's written, so I can't. Y-O-U-X-I-A. I'm assuming there's a sound here that I just can't predict. Y-O-U-Yusha, I think. Yusha, okay. Uh, a type of ancient Chinese warrior folk hero. Um, obviously it's been a movie before this is coming from writer producer Jason Ning who is expanding his relationship with Sony um, he's got an overall deal there so uh, you know not a lot of details on this yet but, but you know it's a big you know people remember the movie it's, you know it comes from the it's yeah it'll be a martial arts show obviously but with a name that people recognise yeah yeah um, so He's currently working with Sony and making a show for MGM Plus and Amazon Prime uh, separately. So it could end it's up in either of these, but, you know. It, I can knows? see it being kind of any of those places. That, you know, it's, yeah, yeah. it's not specific enough that you, that you see it on any particular service, I don't think. Uh, next up, Warner Brothers is developing a limited series about Buster Keaton. Uh, no tightly yet, so Buster Keaton, I guess, is the best you've got for it just now. Mm-hmm. The notable thing, though, is that Rami Malek is going to be playing the uh, vaudeville turn silent comedy movie star, so this is going to be like an acting mm-hmm. vehicle for him to, like, you know, go nuts, basically. Uh, Matt... he is incredible, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Matt Reeves, Six in Idaho Productions, uh, are working on it along with Malek and David uh, Weddle, who are producing... 
Uh, and Matt Reeves is possibly going to direct this limited series, which is also good news because he's a good director. Uh, he, he is, yeah. So um, it's been shopped around to streamers and networks, and it is worth mentioning that Sixth and Idaho are under an overall deal at Warner Brothers. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and this is the, I mean, obviously Reeves is developing like uh, a couple of Batman shows with Warner's right now as well. He, he's so. got a relationship, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, HBO Max aren't really taking shows right now, but I suspect that they'll happily shop it to somewhere else. <laughs> I could see this on HBO proper. Yeah, so could I. Six episodes or whatever. Yeah, all limited series. They, you know, HBO love those. Yeah, probably get some acting Emmys out of it. Yeah, seems seems like a good idea. Uh, next up, uh, so we're looking at a show called The Sympathizer, uh, which comes from. Directors Mark Munden from Utopia and Fernando Mirelles from The Two Popes. Uh, this is a drama adaptation of Vitan Wynn's Pulitzer Prize winning novel, produced and co-starring Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, it's a big name. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a HBO and A24 series. Uh, and they've also added some cast members in uh, Dai Wynn, Kaylee Tran, and Vivi Wynn. Or Vivi one. I thought it's VYVY. I don't know how to pronounce that. I, I give it my best shot. Apologies if I if I butchered it. Uh, the Sympathizer is an espionage thriller and cross culture satire about the struggles of a half French, half Vietnamese communist spy during the final days of the Vietnam War and his resulting exile in the United States. Described as a blistering exploration of identity in America, a uh, gripping spy novel, and powerful story of love and friendship. The novel is hailed as a new classic of war fiction has been compared to the works of Kafka, Orwell, and Le Carré. Le Carré? I don't know how I say that. <laughs> Le Carré, yeah, he's the uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy guy. Ah! And, and and a lot of other things, obviously, yeah. that have also had adaptations. Well, that movie put me to sleep, so I'm going yeah. to judge him right now and say he's probably terrible. <laughs> what One of the most renowned spy writers of all time. Maybe it's just like, the most up, up there with like Fleming for Bond as like you know most well-known spy writers. Oh, that's shit too. Maybe I only like alternative spy stuff. Like your your mainstream spy stuff bores the shit out of me. I'm sorry. You're a you're a you're a spy hipster is what I'm getting from this. <laughs> I just don't care about the details of being a spy. Like they obsess over the details. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. love it. They Fleming, love it. Fleming obsessed over the details in Bond. He did. Not sure that's really true. Details and extreme sexism. That was the, the mantra. Accuracy <laughs> is not the same as details. So I'll point that out. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've got uh, Downey Jr. You've got A24 with HBO. There's yeah. a lot of things to go along with that. He's a director of Two Popes. That was a... I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah, two directors. Uh, the one from Two Popes and the one from Utopia are both uh, going to be working on Yeah, I can't speak for the Utopia one so much, but Two Popes was a great movie that was very, very well directed. All right, next up, Netflix is uh, doing another young adult series. Uh, one of them's got to stick eventually. <laughs> it's called Geek Girl, and it's based on a British book about a gawky teenager who is plucked from obscurity to embark on a modeling career. They're going to adapt Holly Smale, or maybe Smally, maybe it'll be pronounced, uh, 
It's S M A L E. I mean, I would assume smell, but it's a sort of like fancy looking name that I'm like, that might be a. Yeah, I would have said smell as well, though. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so it's a series of novels, uh, and they're doing a 10 part uh, series on it uh, with the Canadian and British co production set to begin filming later this year. This is the description Geek Girl tells the story of an awkward, neurodiverse teenage. Neurodiverse? I've never heard that before. Neurodiverse? What the hell does that mean? Uh, it's you typically see the word neurodiv- neurodivergent more than neurodiverse. Okay, uh, it just okay. means you're on the spectrum usually ah, in, in, okay, in okay. some capacity. Okay, okay. I mean, I mean yeah. that makes some sense. You know, uh, I may end up in my first guess, but it, it makes enough sense. Uh, all right, so yeah, an awkward neurodiverse teenager, Harriet Manners, whose life is turned flipped, turned upside down uh, when she is spotted to be a model and embarks on a life affirming journey of self discovery as she balances high school. And high fashion. You bitch. <laughs> Joe, what's so funny is that we often say the skill count is professional for kid characters, but then it said high fashion, and I'm like, no, high school is the personal part. High fashion is the profession. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, take a swig. Take a swig, you filthy ginger. I'm glad I, w- I switched to the lower proof one. <laughs> and by lower proof, I still mean 40%, but as mm-hmm. opposed to the 50% one I was on before. All right. Uh, next up, HBO Max, the BBC, and A24 have won the rights to co-develop uh, one of the most anticipated British debuts of the coming year. Um, it's called The List. Uh, and it comes from Ooh. the writer of Slaying... <laughs> you must be excited. <laughs> it comes from the writer of Slaying Your Rain, uh, Yomi uh, Adegoki. Uh, so it's a highly competitive situation. Apparently, there's been bidding for it uh, between all the UK drama production houses. A24's uh, Piers Wenger and Rose Garnett uh, won out for for A24. So, yes, it's due to be published in July. The list follows Ola Ola Gide, uh, a high profile journalist at. So it's basically the word woman, but instead of an A, it's like three X's. So I think it's just better to say woman, but it's written with three X's. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's a fancy magazine, right? She's a journalist at a magazine. Uh, and she's about to marry the love of her life, Michael. The couple seem to have it all, but one morning they wake up to the same message. Oh my God, have you seen the list? <laughs> I love that I have no idea what the actual plot of this show is. Because clearly all of it's going to come from whatever this this question means. But what is the list? Is it a list of like all the bad things everyone's done, or is it a list of like all the people who are going to die soon? Or is, like what is like is it supernatural? I, is it a normal thing that could be in a list? I don't know. I don't know, but they've got you. <laughs> you want to know what the list is? I mean, enough to read like a another synopsis someday. <laughs> At least. Maybe watch a trailer that'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that description does not tell me like what the bulk of it's going to really focus on, other than just the some list. I was gonna say I'll, I'll Google it, but is it a list? Book. Is it a list of names? Well, the book's not even out yet, so I mean, it might not even no, be. No, but there'll be a. Is it a list of names? Is it a list of things? Oh, oh yeah. Uh... I think there's a different book called The List that's what's showing up for me first on Goodreads. Uh, which is it's just not helpful. No, no, yeah, no. Never mind. 
I mean, for the wrestling fans out there, I thought this might be a show about Chris Jericho, but uh, that was not to be the case. Connor won't get that great cutting edge reference, but uh, straight out of my head. So, some of you will, and that's what's important. Uh, Fremantle is developing a drama series in the world of competitive mariachi bands. I'm in. <laughs> There's no title yet, but... I don't need any more information. I'm in. Yeah, it comes as Going Varsity in Mariachi, a documentary directed by Sam Osborne and Alejandra Vasquez stars a talented group of students uh, from... I, this feels blasphemous. This is like the, the second time you've seriously paused before saying a word. Well, that, 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 see, I know how to say this, but it feels blasphemous because this is how like Americans say Edinburgh wrong. So I don't want to uh, say it. Oh, oh. I'm intrigued. Edinburgh. Edin- what? Edinburgh North High School is what... what uh, but I just, I feel, I feel dirty saying it, because this, this, this is the way foreigners say Edinburgh wrong. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. The students at Edinburgh North High School in South Texas who compete for the title uh, of the state's best mariachi band is hitting the Sundance Film Festival. So there's this documentary out, and it's kind of like, you know, the same subject is kind of like, Coming inspired this. Uh, yeah. So there's based on uh, the drama series is based on Cecilia Bally's reporting in the New York Times article, a championship season in Mariachi country. The series will explore the complex world of the Mariachi community. The series showcase showcases the bonds that exist among Latino youth as they prepare and compete in this epic and resonant competition. This is like, I mean, I've never heard of a competition for Mariachi bands, but yeah, it makes sense they do exist. So there's a niche here that's not been filled by any other movie or show. Yeah, it it, it doesn't surprise me at all that it exists. I I mean I personally took part in competitions for Steel Band. Sure. But so I mean like of course something on that scale has competitions, especially especially in America, right? Yeah. I just wonder, like, did they like was it meant to be Edinburgh North High School, but they simplified it? <laughs> you mean like the same way they can't say aluminium and they just like screwed that <laughs> up permanently changed it and, and that's what happened here yes yes we, we love our american audience for the record yeah, it's yeah. just it's just easy to poke fun easy it's to poke very fun. easy uh don't worry i make fun of connor for being ginger more than i do you for being american so don't that is actually just factually true yeah don't feel too bad and and to be fair as an englishman i make fun of the scottish and welsh just as much as i do the americans so I don't even think about the Welsh. Well, clearly you're not making enough jokes about them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up. Um, Those About to Die is the name of a period drama uh, coming from Roland Emmerich on Peacock. Sorry. <laughs> period drama, Roland Emmerich. Are I, you sure that you've, you've got the right story? He did, that sh- no, he did that Shakespeare movie in between all the disaster movies, so technically he's, he's dipped his toes. Yeah, yeah, sure. before. Anthony Hopkins <laughs> is stepping in. What? Sorry, what? That's... You said this was Peacock as well, just to throw that <laughs> Peacock, into the mix. Yes. <laughs> it's like a random okay. word generator. Like, someone... this, this feels like an AI story. <laughs> did, did Chatbot make this? The series, which is inspired by Daniel Mannix's eponymous nonfiction book, is a large scale drama set within the spectacular, complex, and corrupt world of gladiatorial sports in ancient Rome. Oh, I love every part of this description. <laughs> it introduces an ensemble of diverse characters across the many layers of Roman society where sports, politics, and business 
intersect and collide. Hopkins uh, Vespasian? Vespasian? Vespasian. Vespasian. Uh, the Emperor of Rome and head of the Flavian bloodline is battle-tested a rural upstart who claimed his throne after victory in a bloody ten-year civil war. He is aging and despised by the uh, patricians, jockeying for position in the empire and looking to supplant his heirs to the throne of the first chance they get. <laughs> I got... I'm actually quite familiar with this general period of history. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, I saw Gladiator. Um, that was enough for me. I don't need that anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested. Also, two, Andy Hopkins, yes, he's fantastic. He's going to sure. be great. Three, okay, I not that it makes so much more sense, but if there's going to be a period drama from Roland Emmerich, I think Gladiatorial Rome is kind of the best fit you're going to get. No, Pompeii, surely. <laughs> Okay, second best fit you're going to get. <laughs> how did he not do a Pompeii movie yet? <laughs> I don't know how, but so- somehow there's going to be a scene in this where they're running as the ground's falling from behind them, even though there's no reason for that to be happening. In somehow the Colosseum's room. collapsing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. All right, so yes, that's uh, Those About to Die. Good title as well, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, next up, Hulu is developing The Midcoast, a drama series based on Adam White's best-selling novel from Escape at Danorama's co-creator Brett Johnson, which got a lot of buzz, and uh, I was told repeatedly that we should have looked at it when it was airing, and we just kind of missed it. Uh, but written by Johnson based on White's novel, The Midcoast is an hour-long drama set on the scenic coast of Maine, exploring the rise and fall of Ed Thatch, a lobster fisherman <laughs> turned blue-collar criminal with an unstable devotion to his wife. So Honestly, it's if, definitely if, not a sequel to The Lighthouse by Stephen King. If they just if they just stopped after Lobster Fisherman, I'd have been in. Like, yeah, Lobster Fisherman. Yeah, it's easy to make Stephen King jokes because it's set in Maine. Yes, and lobster uh, and lighthouse jokes because lobster. Uh, oh, you're fond of my lobster. Yeah, obviously, you're fond of my lobster. Uh, so that's the mid coast. Uh, next up, uh, competitive apparently. Um, for The Hush, which is a story and film from producer Clark Peterson, uh, is optioned Sarah Foster's thriller novel, The Hush, uh, to develop as a TV show. Set in a near-future surveillance state London, The Hush follows a group of women who join forces with a midwife to save her daughter, who is the latest in a string of pregnant teens that have mysteriously disappeared. In the six months since the first case of a terrifying new epidemic, the government has passed sweeping new laws to monitor all citizens, and young pregnant women are vanishing without a trace. I could believe that from our current government. <laughs> Sad but true. If 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 I believe they were competent uh, enough to manage it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. The, Do you know it's, I, a show, it's a very dry description to that show, but I feel like there's potential if it's well directed. I'm not even ball learning our Prime Minister's name yet, because I just assumed it wouldn't last that long. It's been longer than the last one, though, so I should probably... It, it is. It's, it's Rishi Sunak, for the record. Sunak! That's, uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be shit, like the rest of them. Yeah. And the reason why I thought of that is because I was about to make a Boris joke, and I went, oh, he's not Prime Minister anymore. It's not the women either. Who, who is it? We're, we're, yeah. we're past trusts. 
Who is he's, it? He's, he's the one who got caught on camera this week not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> and, and when I say caught on camera, I mean his own press team published a video of him doing an interview in the back of his car not wearing a seatbelt. And then he got fined by the police because he didn't wear a seatbelt. <laughs> yes. He truly that, thinks, that happened this week. He truly thinks no rules apply to him. Yeah. Like, even the like ones all Tories. Are for his own safety. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, uh, next up. AMC has uh, acquired the rights to John Maxim's popular Bannerman spy book series for development as a potential TV show. So that's Bannerman is the name of the series. A spy's in again right now. Yeah. Uh, so that may not end up with the name of the show, but that's the sort of the collective name for the... It's a potential yeah. name, though, that I works. Think, yeah, I think they could call it that. Yeah. Uh, it comes from uh, Shane Black, uh, obviously, from, you know, multiple good movies. Also The Predator, but multiple good movies. Uh, yeah, yeah that, was, that. that was not one of them. Uh, Greg Nicotero, who's like an effect, effects guy, who's worked on... Obviously, did a lot of Walking Dead stuff, but you know, he did a lot of horror movies before that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so there, this is AMC, like I said. Um, and it's also with Brian Witten from Creepshow. And Friday the 13th, although oh, they don't specify what Friday the 13th, so I'll assume the 2009 one, but I mean, even that's a long time ago now, so I, I don't know what they're getting at. Uh, yeah. The book series consists of five titles. The Bannerman Solution, The Bannerman Effect, Bannerman's Law, Bannerman's Promise, and Bannerman's Ghosts. I can't see them liking any of those enough to pick as a title for the show beyond just Bannerman. Yeah, I can see Bannerman effect, the Bannerman effect. I can see that being a title of a show. Maybe, maybe that maybe. one. Uh, the Bannerman solution synopsis. So this is just a synopsis for the first book, but it's a good synopsis for you know. Well, it's a reasonable assumption yeah. that that's probably where they're going to start the show. Paul Bannerman was once his nation's deadliest weapon, a top covert operative heading up the most lethal group of contract agents and network specialists in all of Europe. Now Bannerman is a liability, an unpredictable loose cannon that could irreparably damage America's shaky intelligence structure if he chose to. This is sounding a lot like a Neil Breen character. I'm just going to throw that out there right now. Uh... So, so the decision has come down from the top. Bannerman and his people must be eliminated. Suddenly, death is running in Westport, Connecticut, one in a nationwide network of secret halfway towns where the country's most dangerous former agents have been, quote-unquote, retired. At war with powerful elements within his own government, a war not of his making, Bannerman has been lured here to this place of yard sales, minivans, commuter trains and murder the plan is for bannerman and those he ran to die here quietly but bannerman has other plans i kind of followed that (laughs) i i did this sounds like trashy fun not Mm -hmm. not good i want to specify that very seriously not good but i feel like i could have fun with it in the same way that i i ended up i don't know if i told you this i ended up having a lot of fun watching reacher uh, oh sure, I saw the first episode of that. I I don't think it was a good show. I don't like, I want to say I don't think it's like bad. I don't think it's like really terribly made or anything like that. But I don't think it's like I'm I not felt, recommending anyone to go out and watch it. From the first episode, I felt like it was really trying to be something specific from a like an older era. And I just don't think like the actor was quite He didn't quite he, have the charm to pull it off, I didn't think. He grew on me. 
Oh, they do. How about episode three or four? When they start giving him a reasonably amount more dialogue than they do in the first It's the sort before. of thing where if you just slotted in Arnold or like even Van Damme and his prime into that role, it'd have been like, okay, this would have worked. Yes. No, I think he gets there over the course of the season. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, you know, I'll accept that Hawk from Titans inevitably yeah. got better. And, and so, shitty Aquaman from Smallville, I believe. Yes, that is also correct. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this sounded to me like there's a lot of big like ideas here, but most of it's going to be set in a small town where all these spies go to. Yeah. Which sounds, you know ver- which sounds very doable from a budget perspective. <laughs> it sounded to me like sharp. Obviously, that was like, you know, mm. Napoleonic Wars, you know, soldier stuff. But like, transplant that into Spy, and like, the vibe I'm getting from it was really similar. Okay, okay. And I'm not opposed to that. Again, I feel like this could be trashy fun, but not like great TV, but, but fun. All right. If it's, if it's well made. Let's move on. MGM Plus, which was Epics before, they're changing their name to M- MGM Plus. Um, they have announced a slate. Of original oh shows. <laughs> There's got to be right. at least one half decent one in there, surely. A slate. Um, so they've unveiled programming lineup and development slate that includes uh, a bunch of things here. Um, there's a few unscripted things as well, which I think I didn't, you know, I, I didn't put down because we don't care about that. I just, I just included the, uh, the scripted dramas. So let's just work through them. Here we go. Uh, the first one is called The Emperor of Ocean Park. Uh, this is from John Wells Productions and Warner Brothers Television. Uh, the Emperor of Ocean Park is a suspenseful take on Stephen L. Carter's best-selling novel, set in the worlds of DC politics, Ivy League academia, and the beaches of Martha's Vineyard. The series centers on Talcott Garland's quiet life as an Ivy League law professor whose world is shattered when his father, Judge Oliver Garland, dies of an apparent heart attack. The nature of the judge's death is questioned by Tal's sister, Maria, a former journalist and constant conspiracy theorist who believes that the judge, a former failed black nominee to the Supreme Court, met with foul play. (laughs) Sherman Payne is the writer with Damien Marcano attached to direct. Um... That sounds like something that is not for. I, you know, as soon as I start talking yeah. about DC politics and Ivy League, I'm like, you're going to have to like really and, wow and me. They with... had a name like Talcott. <laughs> you're going to have to wow me with like the the quality to get me interested in this. Uh, yeah, the description's not going to do it for me. So that's that. Next up, we got Hoodlum, which is based on the 1997 MGM film written by Chris Brancato. The drama series is set in the 1930s and follows the true story of Harlem numbers queen Stephanie St. Clair's rise to prominence and mentorship of Ellsworth Bumpy Johnson. Uh, So this is about some musicians then, I guess. Yeah. This is MGM Plus Studios developing uh, with Brancato and Monica Maser are co-creating and executive producing. So, uh, Hello. It does seem like they're trying to build an identity here. It feels like they're going for very specific types of like shows it, it does yeah you, so you far, can't anyway. accuse them of cbsing it no no it feels like they're trying to build an identity and they're kind of even though they're technically an old network just changing their name it does feel like they're trying to like build up a, a you know a slate of like it, a, it's a rebrand it's yeah. a taking that you know it, in its entirety not just as a name change yeah uh next up is earth abides which uh when a plague of unprecedented virulence sweeps the globe a human race is, oh sorry, a human race. The human race is all but wiped out. In the aftermath, as the great machine of civilization slowly 
uh, breaks down, only a few shattered survivors remain to struggle against the slide into barbarism. Uh, barbarism? Bar- barbarism. Barbar- barbarism. Yeah. Uh, or extinction. Based on the novel by George R. Stewart, which is published by Harper Voyager, an imprint of HarperCollins Publishers, blah, blah, blah. MGM Plus Studios is developing with Michael Phillips, uh, Juliana Mao, Mao, probably? And Carrie Peake attached as executive producers. So it's a post-apocalyptic uh, show about yeah. building society. Which, to be honest, the fact that it didn't mention like monsters or zombies made it more interesting, I think. Because, okay, it's just about there's rebuilding there's society. enough of those. Right? Yeah. yeah. And again, it could still be just generic post-apocalyptic. But, you know, th- maybe it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's cool. Uh, next up, we have American Classic, which is actually a comedy, but it was in this like slate of shows, so it felt weird to move it out of this. A half-hour comedy about a man desperately trying to save himself, his family, and his hometown the only way he knows how, by putting on a show. <laughs> Broadway star and notorious narcissist Richard Bean, played by Kevin Klein, suffers a spectacular public meltdown and decides to return home to the family-run theatre. Returning home? That's, that's one of the rules. Uh, where he first became aware of his own brilliance. When he arrives, he's shocked to find that his brother uh, and his brother's wife... Uh, who also happens to be his former lover, so he used to have sex with his now brother's wife, uh, yeah. have turned his temple of art into a dinner theater, with the emphasis on dinner. Uh, Michael Hoffman, Bob Martin, Leslie Erdang, uh, Klein, Anthony Bergman, Mario Mintz are all attached to executive produce. Um, is a co-production between MGM Plus Studios and Anonymous Contents AC Studios. So, there you go. <laughs> Um, well, and then, it didn't sound particularly interesting to me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and then the last scripted show, because I had a couple of like you know reality shows as well, but the last scripted show is called Ark. Is that with a C or a K? K. Uh, we're back at a sci-fi territory because it's 2030. The oceans have risen rapidly, and soon the entire planet will be submerged. But the discovery of another life-sustaining planet light years away gives hope to those who remain alive. Only a few will be able to make the generation's long journey, and those who don't make the cut face a watery death. Based on the books by Stephen Baxter, uh, the series is developed as a co-production between MGM Plus Studios and Anonymous Contents AST Studios. Uh, so, yeah. What, what I'm hearing is... Spaceship. Or, or, hear me out here, Waterworld. Stealth, stealth Waterworld prequel. Possibly both. Maybe it'll follow both plots. Maybe it'll be like, yeah. here's people on the ship uh, travelling to... Uh, I, I, I think it would, the really interesting thing would be to follow uh, well depending on how they do the trips if they're doing it like are people in cryo sleep or are they just doing like generational ships like no you go you go on there you have your kids well, and whoever's there at the end gets off it, it says generations long journey so I assume that means they're going to grow old and have kids and like, it'll, it'll okay. be the grandchildren or great grandchildren who eventually arrive assuming we're following people on the journey as opposed to just cutting to where it arrives Mm-hmm. I can see it doing interesting things with following people on the ship and then like people who they were friends with, for example, or maybe even family members, but just slightly removed family members. Uh, you know. Yeah, I could also a... see it showing like the people arriving on the planet and then cutting back to like their like grandparents, like who assuming that's like the level we're going back to when they left yeah. and like they're on like the start of the journey. You could sort of do like some sort of like parallels between the people who are there now and who were alive at the start of the yeah. trip. This has uh, potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, alternatively, you could you could save that as like a you know your your end of season one like sort of like epilogue teaser for season two is that oh we're going to add in this plot to like next season's rotation 
you know, if it does follow people on Earth still, it's like the other plot, say. Which it, yeah. may, it may not, but it sounds like it's open to doing that, though, given that it says the people who stay behind might face a watery death. It's like, okay, we'll see Waterworld start, and we'll also see this journey on the on the ship. Yeah, and I can see there being, like, the point maybe end up being that the confined civilization on the ships kind of ends up descending into chaos, uh-huh. as opposed to the chaotic people on Earth. You know, the, the world's going crazy, but there, there's still some functioning civilization there. Yeah, in, the, in, having know. to, like, deal with the problem of the world actually brings everyone together, whereas everyone who thinks they're safe on the ship devoids into, like, factions and paranoia because they think it may be taken from them. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely see some stuff. I mean, they might not go that way, but that's one way you could take it. Yeah. There's definitely things they could do for that, with that for sure. And it's based on a book series, so that means you know, there's material to adapt and you yeah. know a roadmap for it. So that's cool. Uh, and I don't usually split these up, but just for the sake of my own, uh, you know, seeing where we are in the news, that takes us on to the regular networks and the dramas. Okay, so home stretch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, not too much left. Alright, first up, Fox is developing a one-hour drama about undercover FBI agents from Joy Blake. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the cell company and Fox Entertainment Studios. Written and executive produced by Blake, the untitled undercover FBI project. <laughs> FBI, colon, undercover. Hey, if this was CBS, that's what that, it that's, that's it, yeah. Yeah. A female FBI agent suffering a bad case of career burnout is sent to train a team of ambitious, determined rookies in what, in what it takes to go deep undercover. So, jaded, cynical person training the young, ambitious, optimistic people. Shit, Top Gun Maverick. NBC has ordered a pilot for a drama called Murder by the Book. Uh, from Good Girls creator Jenna Bans under her Universal Television-based production banner, Minnesota Logging Company. Uh, yeah, so... The story will follow Big City Insta-famous book reviewer. Mm, I'm out. <laughs> you lost me. It takes a page and, and, from... and besides, everyone now knows that now it's all about book talk. Hmm. It takes a page from murder mystery books she reviews and becomes an unlikely detective to uncover the shocking truths about an eccentric seaside town. So it's book reviewer becomes detective because she's read a lot, read a lot of murder mysteries. Nah, it's only well like that. <clears throat> so we've got that. Where was that? NBC. Of course it was. And then we're on to the last story of the news. Oh, please don't be CBS. It's NBC. Oh. They've ordered a pilot for Wolf, a one-hour medical drama from writer-producer Michael Grassi, producer-director Lee Tolan Krieger, and executive producer Greg Berlanti. Is that name? Uh, you could have given me a hundred guesses on that title and I wouldn't have got medical drama. No, I, I know. I, I, maybe I should have. Is that Wolf with one O or two? One. Okay. Because sometimes when it's a name like that, it's two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolf is inspired by the books The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat and another book called An Anthropologist on Mars, uh, both by Oliver Sacks. 
It that, they sound way more interesting than Wolf. <laughs> I know. It follows a revolutionarily larger-than-life neurologist and his team of interns as they explore the last great frontier, the human mind, while also grappling with their own relationships and mental health. <laughs> one last well, one. One last. Yeah, had to do it, NBC. I'm really glad I picked something nice to drink tonight and didn't just go for the swill. <laughs> because, you know... One or two swigs of the swill is fine, but yes. So there you go. It was a booze heavy. Um, and just in episode. case anyone was interested, it was the uh, Dewar's eight-year rum cask finish that I've been swigging on. Oh, very good. And also drinking a cider the whole time as well. Aye. So. Uh, that's if you vaguely remember that description, it's because it was in the works at Fox like three years ago. And there's no I do not vaguely remember it no. because it was so generic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think part of me does, like, I, th I think I remember the last Great Frontier part of it. That, that like, I think that, that seems vaguely familiar to me. Maybe. But, I mean, maybe I'm just imagining that. I don't know. But, hey, uh, there you go. That's the, that's the news. <laughs> First one of the year, everyone. Uh, so, barring delays, we'll try to be back on a regular schedule. But, uh... Not one this weekend, though, because we're recording this on Wednesday, so unless a lot of great stuff happens on Thursday and Friday, there won't be enough to do anyway. So, uh... Yeah. And uh, I, I didn't watch the Mandalorian trailer yet. I, I, I don't think I'm gonna... And I know you don't care, but it dropped You're this right, week. I don't. For people who are interested, the Season 3 trailer. That's... The, wait, there was a release date for that. There was a release date for that, like, just the other day. Screw you. I'm, I'm, I'm finding this news. I'm sure there was. Well, this isn't bring your own news. Piss off. You should have done it in March 1st. That's big news. <laughs> it would have been in the release date section. It would have been big news in that. If I'd remembered <laughs> an hour ago. Big news in the release date section. Um, as, far, as far as reviews goes, there was a few pilots. Not this week, but uh, the previous week. Obviously, The Last of Us started. I've reviewed that. Both episodes went too. So I'm sticking with that show, obviously, because it's very good. Talking. And, hey, I, and I like the game, so yeah, uh, very attached to it. Um, also, the same week, I did uh, what were those two other shows I did? Uh, a lot. One was Mayfair Witches, starring Alexander Daddario, which was just a very AMC show. Uh, I do not well, recommend Alexander Daddario, so I would recommend. I mean, she's not like she can't really carry a show on her own, so like, she's you know. I know why you're happy to see her, but like... <laughs> Who isn't happy to see her? You, apparently, but you're boring. I'm just, you know... I'm, you know um, and then there was something else I can't remember. Oh, there was, and you're going to be a lot more annoyed when I tell you what it is, because it's the better show, I assume. Oh, it's the reference show, right? It is the reference yeah. show. Yeah, uh, which I... Copenhagen Cowboy. Which I'm still meaning to get back to, because the first episode was fantastic, but... I, I just... haven't watched it yet, um... Honestly, I, I had a long week at work, and every time I've... Like, like the, it took me a, almost all week just to get to the first episode of Last of Us because it was an hour and 20 minutes long, right? I was like, oh, I need to fit this in, and uh, I want to watch it on the big TV. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, but by the time Paige leaves for work at half, I'm like, I don't have the energy for an hour and a half at this point. And I'm assuming Copenhagen Cowboy, the episodes are like that because Reffin. Uh, no, I think it was like about an hour. It was uh, maybe a full hour. Oh, that, okay, but that's not so bad. And I think that might be the longest one of the whole six, to be honest, but... Uh, I know Last of Us is all over the place because episode three is like seventy-five minutes, and then yeah, two was like 
50 odd. Most of them are 50 something. Like, most of them are about that, but uh, three is a bit long again. So. I can respect HBO for allowing that because. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even. I, I know they've been doing it in the last couple of years with things like uh, Game of Thrones, House of Dragon, whatever, but it wasn't that long ago that even HBO had a. Yeah, you, you hit roughly this runtime. Like, yeah, they were still pretty strict with like time slots, whereas it, it does feel like over the last like three or four years they've kind of like you know what it doesn't really matter. Yeah, and it's not just them. Like uh, we we saw it a lot with uh, AMC over the last season of Echo Soul. Because because ABC uh, ABC HBO like you know they'll just be playing a movie afterwards anyway. So like let's just start the movie whenever. Like, yeah. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm very open to more networks and you know cable channels being more flexible with this just being like hey it is what it is yeah i think yeah we shit on netflix a lot rightly so most of the time but i don't think they deserve credit for kind of establishing that flexible runtime i don't get me wrong i think a lot of people took the piss with it and kind of just uh, use it as an excuse to go crazy long i i do i do think there's a danger of too many people just like using extra time for no reason and just feeling not abandoned. actually not actually editing like yeah a good network show does but I appreciate that we're moving into a point now where there is some flexibility where, hey, if we need it, and this is what the episode calls for, we're willing to... Yeah. We'll, we'll give you a 70-minute episode in the middle of the season. Because it used to be, okay, your first and last episode, you might be able to get away with it. But randomly in episode three, you'd never have got away with that a few years ago. No, no, that's true. Uh, so, and actually on Last of Us, uh, all because the reviewers in a very weird case, which is obviously a show of confidence got the entire season to review before it premiered. Oh, oh, usually it's just like the first yeah. half, uh, at most. So obviously they were feeling confident and got reviewed very well as a result. Uh, most of them said the first episode was the weakest, which is great because the first episode was really good. <laughs> um, say, that was not a bad episode. No, um, but there was a lot of people, a lot of those early reviews were saying episode three was special. So that's the next one, obviously. So I'm excited for episode three. I'm trying to think in terms of the game, what episode three will be. Oh, okay. Bell's no, Town. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I, I just got there. I was like, okay, I know what it'll be. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, expecting big things uh, from that this coming week. Uh, there is a new pilot as well, which uh, was high enough in the pilot vote on Patreon that I'll be doing the first episode of. I don't expect to like it. It's a show called Wolfpack. Um, it is notable that Sarah Michelle Gellar's in it. Of course, the star of hit television show Buffer the Vampire Slayer. But there's literally the only reason I know what that show is is because mm. I, I'm assuming they've been doing the press rounds this week. Yeah, yeah. And there's been like headlines of, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar doesn't consider herself an icon in the supernatural TV sphere or whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever the specific quote. Was. Even though it's the main thing she's known for, but yeah, so. yeah. Like she doesn't consider herself an icon in that. I'm like, okay, sure. And, and I'm like, why is this a thing right now? And then I, I saw interview for this yeah. show I'm like, oh yeah okay yeah there's a lot of weird headlines where they're like shoehorning buffy into the headline which i know it seems like a weird complaint coming from me but it, i saw one that was like uh what sarah michelle gather thinks buffy fans should know before they watch wolfpack and i'm like that's such a weird like way to like phrase your article that that is called seo manipulation <laughs> yeah but it, it just uh yeah yeah whatever i'm just you know there's a point where it doesn't feel like a, an article written by a human being and it's just an AI bot that's... And, and, and given the news the last couple of weeks about that one specific AI bot chat something... Yeah, yeah. Um, I would not be surprised if some of them are. I don't, I don't, like, I don't know if you've seen much about this, but there was one where it was... Um, it was like a, a website that does, like, you know, just random articles of things. 
and to see what their hiring process was like, they put anonymously, like you know, it was like a blind test, put that AI in the in the uh, candidates to you know for selection, and it, it got through to the interview stage. <laughs> it was like in the top ten percent of candidates. It's like that is very concerning, given that it's still relatively speaking in its infancy as a technology. If you're a freelance writer, I'd be concerned. <laughs> Well, that's something we're already... Especially if you're doing, like, you know, news things. Yeah, we're already seeing uh, this backlash from, like, the art community because of AI-produced art, which is not only is it a problem because it's, like, a way to get art without an artist, but it's also, like, copying styles from other artists and stuff like that. It is, and it's being used in uh, mainstream publishing. Um, You want to have heard of it? Uh, It's it's a book. I don't know. It's Christopher Paolini. It's his new book. He's the he's the guy who wrote Aragon and and those series, which you have heard of, I assume. I've heard of the terrible movie. It's so. the it's the yeah the dragon movie, the terrible dragon movie, and it was a terrible dragon movie, and they're not good books either for that record. Uh, but his new book, it's the second in a series. It turned out the art for the cover was from an AI generated thing, mm. and the publisher was like, "Oh, we we didn't realize it was just submitted, and oh well, we're using it anyway." I think so, what you'll see is, yeah. is that there'll be a value placed on real art created by real humans as far as collectors and like actual buying art goes, but stuff like that where it's like a bit of art for a bit of a page on something is like, ah, that can just be AI generated because of shit. Very possibly, yeah. But like I said, I think opinion pieces and, and stuff like that will obviously mm-hmm. have to place because they're an opinion that there's someone's take on something. But the the articles that are just news regurgitation without any it's why it's important that we crack jokes and stuff because if you if you know like a bot could probably figure out all the analysis <laughs> that, that, that i can make when i'm reviewing something exactly it's and it, it, it's not just about the analysis it's not just about regurgitating oh this is the news that we've just recycled to you from probably deadline which like the deadline writers they should be concerned because they're not adding any real value to the news they are reporting the news which is their job i want to point yeah. out i'm not saying they're doing a bad job of that that's what their house style is but that job could be irrelevant if a robot can just do it instead and very soon like, like soon sooner than we probably thought instead of hiring a team of writers you have one or two people who just monitor all the robots to make sure they're all working properly you just kind of proofread and check yeah. that it is what it is yeah uh yeah wild stuff wild stuff ahead um, we are living in the future it's not a great future i have to say it, it's not no uh but hey you know Right, well, Cara had to bring that dystopian topic into everything. Hey, look, it was relevant. It was recent topics, and it was it was interesting. Uh, 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 you say? <laughs> Whatever you say. Uh, that has been the Almost Cancelled podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hopefully you found out about some interesting TV news items along the way. Um, you know, let us know what you thought of any of the stories we brought up in the comments. Like, subscribe. Of course, you can support all the content by going to patreon.com slash TV and support us over there uh, for any amount per month. And, uh, yeah, just, you know, thanks for watching or listening. But, yeah, we'll see you soon, guys. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?